0: And learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 189 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. I hope that you had a restful holiday season and are settling into the new year. As many of us are thinking about what 2021 will be like, and the intentions we might have for this year, I thought it'd be a great idea to have a conversation about astrology and what we might learn about ourselves based on astrology. For this conversation, I was joined by Mecca Woods. Mecca is a New York City-based astrologer and author who works to help others create a life they truly want using their natural-born gifts. Her writing and astro-guidance have appeared in places like Bustle, Essence, Refinery29, and on TLC. Her books, Astrology for Happiness and Success, and the Cosmic Coloring book series is out now. Mecca and I chatted about what astrology is, how to find and use our birth charts, how astrology can be used in personal development, what we might expect for 2021, and of course she shared all of her favorite resources for anyone who might want to learn more. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag #TBGinSession. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mecca. Thank you very excited that you were able to join us to talk all about astrology. So I feel like in recent years, I've just seen much more excitement and much more conversation about how people are using astrology. And it's fascinating to me. You know, I feel like when I was younger, I would like flip to the back of Cosmo and kind of check out my horoscope for the week, right? And it (laughs) feels like people are using astrology in much more sophisticated ways now. So for those who may not be familiar with astrology at all, can you Tell me, kind of the basics of it. Like, what do we need to know to even kind of get started in understanding astrology?
1: Sure. So, I usually like to explain astrology as being a tool for for self awareness, for self development, and basically that tool is made up of a language that we're basically using the stars and looking at them to inform our experiences here on earth. So it's not necessarily the, the stars are doing anything to us like but we're using it to describe what's going on here on earth and give our life some context. And so when we're looking at, you know, a horoscope or someone is getting a reading, they are finding out about themselves based on this ancient told, this ancient language that's been around for forever. And basically what it is, is a study of cycles. So we look back at in time where we look at history and we kind of say like, okay, this is the planetary alignment that was taking place at this time. And we know that cycles tend to repeat themselves or history repeats itself. And so we look back in time to inform where we are today and to kind of make a educated guess about where we're going to be in the future. So that way we can learn from our past and so that we're not doomed to repeat it.
0: Mm. So these patterns and cycles have repeated themselves enough that you can make a reasonable prediction based on like the stars.
1: Right, exactly. So it's similar to like, you know, like if you think about like economists, right, they kind of Mm. look at trends in terms of Mm -hmm. like the market and they can kind of guess like, okay, this is where the market is going to go. And that's pretty much what astrologers are doing. We're looking back in time and saying, okay, these are the things that were going on then the same sort of energy is present here or the same planetary alignment is happening now. This is what we can expect from these things. Got it. And can you tell us more about how you got into this and how you kind of made this your work? Yeah. So <laughs> I have to say that I never even thought that I would be an astrologer. That was not something that I had on my bingo card, <laughs> you know, yeah. It was something that I sort of stumbled on. Like I had always had an interest in astrology and like mythology and things like that as a kid. I used to read a lot. I used to write my own stories. It was always something that drew me in about like this sort of magical world, seeing like how these symbols tied into like real life stuff. But it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I stumbled onto an astrology book that had a lot to do with like relationships and you know how to deal with people of certain signs and things of that nature because I was at a crossroads in my life where both professionally, I felt really burnt out and wanted to do more. It felt like I wasn't doing, like living up to my fullest potential. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I was also just not really happy with my love life. I kept finding myself repeating the same sort of, Patterns and when it came to relationships, and then you know, in between that, I'm also a single mom, and when it came to my daughter, even still, you know, even though my daughter is like she's a grown lady now, but. Even so, I wanted to make sure that the choices and decisions that I was making, which were directly affecting her, I wanted her to be able to look at me and be like, okay, mom, she, she knows what she's doing, you know. So astrology was something that after I read the book, I had a few readings with the author and she was able to tell me things about myself that she wouldn't have known otherwise, but she looked at my birth chart. I didn't know what a birth chart was. There was just so many layers to astrology that just really got me excited and just really got me interested. And I was able to see that it was more than just a, oh, you know, what's your sign? Or, oh, you know, I don't like Leos or I don't like, you know, Sagittarians or, you know, that kind of thing. And I started to see that it was really a tool that could be used for self-development. And the thing that really sucked me into it was just seeing how astrology was able to put us in the driver's seat, you know, put me in the driver's seat. And it made me feel more empowered. Like I had some control over my life and I wasn't just like a victim of like unseen circumstances that I could actually have like a map or a blueprint to, to find my way out of challenges or difficult situations, or how I could take advantage of opportunities. And it just so happened that, in addition to me studying and being obsessed with this new hobby, I was also going through a period at work where things were just really kind of falling apart because I wasn't supposed to be there, actually. Like, it was one of those situations where, like, You know, when it's time to leave, when things just become really toxic and you just find yourself becoming really unhappy, and you know that there's something better for you or something else for you. But at the same time, you're also kind of gripped by fear and wondering, like, oh, you know, if I take this leap or if I take this jump, what's going to happen? And so astrology was the thing that kind of helped me find my courage, you know, and find my ability to leave that job. And so, what ended up happening was I left the job. Ended up taking like a a side job while I was still practicing astrology, took on a mentor, who showed me like you can actually make this a profession? Because what it was was I was like talking to anybody who would listen. I'd be like, What's your sign? You know, <laughs> or, like, or you know, like giving free reading for like friends and family, and just getting all this practice under my belt, but also noticing that I really had a talent for it. Astrology was also the thing that spoke to me in terms of like wanting to help people. Cause that's always been a big thing in mine, like wanting to help people, wanting to impact people in a positive way. And I was able to do that through astrology. So here we go. So oh, 10 years later, and here I am, and I made it a full-time thing. Very cool. Very cool. It's always so interesting
0: to kind of hear how people got to where they are and like the early experiences that kind of pointing to where you're supposed to be all along. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So you mentioned something about a birth chart. And so I also don't know what that is. So can
1: you tell us what is a birth chart? Sure. So a birth chart is basically it's a cosmic map or a blueprint to who we are. And so, so a birth chart basically is based on the time, the day, the year and the month that you were born and the location. And so based on those coordinates, we have a a planetary alignment that basically makes up, you know, who you are and through that planetary alignment. We can see, of course, you know, things about your personality, but things in terms of like, what made you, you know, how the world has shaped you, you know, what you can expect to be working on in this life, gifts, you know, or talents that you're bringing to the table, everything from like family history and dynamics to health, to money, to love. So we can see all these kinds of things about you based on your birth chart. And that chart then becomes sort of like your map, you know, to who you are and also your map to like navigating things going forward and also figuring out like of where you've come from as well. So the things that we boil it down to in terms of like our
0: signs, our zodiac signs are really just one piece of all of this.
1: Yeah, there's so many layers yeah, to a chart, right? So like your sun sign, which is the most popular thing that everyone knows when you're like, oh, you know, what's your sign? Oh, you know, I'm a Scorpio, or, I'm an Aries. But there's so many different pieces, which is why I chuckle whenever people are like, I can't stand Scorpios, or I can't stand Pisces or whatever, because we actually have all 12 signs within us somewhere. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. we actually have all yeah we actually have all 12 signs with, within us somewhere and it's really interesting because Of course, you know, some signs may be stronger, more present or more influential than others in a birth chart, but we actually have all 12 signs somewhere in us. And that to me speaks to how much commonalities we have between each other and how it is important that we are able to kind of see one another in each other's eyes. Especially when we start talking about like relationships and getting along with folks and like self-development and things like that. I think there's a part of astrology that is very tailored and individual and kind of shows us who we are all in our own but then i think that it also shows us like just how much we're linked to each other and how that's important to our growth and self-development too.
0: So you mentioned that you have readings done for you but you also do that as a part of your work. What does that mean to have a reading and will you be able to kind of break down my whole birth chart in one reading or is this something that happens over a series of meetings?
1: Yeah, so a reading basically is when an astrologer Uh, looks at your birth chart and they basically tell you about you and, and they tell you how your chart factors into the experiences that you had over the course of your life and sort of what's brought you to the here and now. And looking at that chart, we can also look at that chart in comparison to where the stars are currently aligned and where they'll be aligning in the future and how that will play off of your birth chart, that's what helps inform different opportunities and challenges and experiences and things of that nature. So when we're doing a reading, like for example, lots of people come to me for like the two top things that people always want to know about, which is like career, you know, money and then love, right? So what's going on with my love life? Will I ever get married? Am I going to find the one or I'm just coming out of a breakup? How do I get over it? Or I'm unhappy in my job. How do I find fulfillment in my career? So these are the kinds of questions that that people tend to come to me most often. And so when we're sitting down looking at their chart, I'm telling them basically who they are in context to these experiences and where they may not be living their full potential and how they can. And so that's essentially what an astrologer is doing more so is like showing you like what has brought you to this point. How you've got here, what you have, what gifts or resources you have available to you, either within yourself or even outside of yourself in terms of things that you can do to accomplish a goal or or do a thing. And then talking about the timeline, when you can expect certain things to, to pop off or when you might want to take a time out, you know, those kinds of things. Got it. Okay.
0: So I definitely think it feels like those are some of the common reasons why people come to therapy too, right? Like work-related issues and relationship issues. And so can you say more about like how you might use your chart for relationship issues? So, you know, like, oh, am I ever going to find a long-term partner? Like, what about the chart and where would you look for that to kind of find information
1: regarding your love life? Sure. So... One of my favorite things to do is love readings and relationship readings, because I think that astrology really helps us to look at ourselves a little bit under like the microscope and kind of can see like where we might be running into the same behaviors or the same patterns when it comes to relationships or, or dating or things of that nature. And so, for example, one of the big things that I tend to look at when I'm doing love readings or relationship readings, I look at Uh, A person's moon sign. So your moon sign has a lot to do with like how you process your emotions and how you respond to stress and triggers and what you need to feel, you know, happy and supported and safe within a relationship. Your Venus sign, which is, so Venus represents what we value, including ourselves. So Venus has a lot to do with our self-worth and our self-esteem. In addition to how we relate to people, Mars, Mars is how we fight. And also, you know, what stokes our passions and like how we go after things. So, you know, and and Venus and Mars are also considered the sex planets, you know, and like what turns us on and and, how we uh, express our sexual energy. So those are a couple of places where I look within a birth chart. We have 12 zones called houses and those houses basically house different parts of our life and different parts of who we are. So, for example, you know, if I talk about the seventh house in a chart, That's the zone that has to do with one-on-one long-term relationships. So a lot of times that will deal with like marriages or it will deal with like, you know, a long-term committed relationship. A fifth house in someone's chart is the place where... The initial spark, you know, or the initial attraction takes place. And that's usually where we tend to find ourselves getting stuck on repeat when it comes to dating the same types of people or running into the same sort of like issues when it comes to dating. What I noticed that a lot of what astrology shows is like how much we project onto people and project in terms of like our worst traits and also our best traits and how people that show up in our lives are often representations of the extreme versions of those things that we disown about ourselves and that we need to reclaim or integrate into ourselves in order for us to to have smoother connections with folks. And so when I sit down with people and I go through that and I say like, yeah, you know, you have this, you know, seventh house moon, for example. So your moon is in the seventh house. And, you know, that means that you tend to attract people who need a lot of emotional investment from you, but they don't always have the ability to give you that same emotional investment. And that's because you need to give yourself that emotional investment so that you can then for be honest about what you feel and, you know, give yourself that self-nurturing so that you can begin to, you know, pull in people or connect with people who can also give you the same thing. So these are some of the things that I find myself talking with people a lot. And so when they ask me questions of like, you know, will I find the one or am I going to get married? My response to that is like, yeah, of course, like I don't think anyone's destined to be alone. But I do think it has a lot to do with how we approach relationships and like being aware of like our triggers and our patterns and things like that. And that's what astrology can do. It helps us with the self-awareness so that we can make different choices.
0: So I just want to be clear and get some clarity, maybe. So astrology is not necessarily... Like reading the future, like definitively. Like, this is more giving you information based on what you are finding in the bird chart.
1: Right, exactly. And so, when we talk about like the future or like making predictions, I like to be more suggestive about it and kind of saying, like, these are things that you can expect or these are things that can happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's going to long ago, astrologers were a lot more fatalistic, you know, and being like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, this is going to be wrong, expect doom and gloom and all of that. I'm more of the school of thought that we do have some free will, and that even with things that might be coming up for us, if we don't like it, you know, we can change course, you know, or we can do something to be able to kind of like get a different outcome. And then, of course, too, there are things that might be beyond our control, and sometimes, you know, You just have to go through a rough patch. You know, sometimes there are going to be things that come up that are unavoidable. But when talking to me, you know, or when I'm talking to someone where I see something like that, my thing is like, okay, how are you going to respond to it? Because how we respond to things also dictates like how things go to and how we experience, you know, certain situations. Got it. Have you done any work in conjunction with therapists? I usually refer people to therapists, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like if I see someone going through a difficult time and like, for example, so one of the things that I can see in someone's birth chart are like things around health. Mm -hmm. So it could be, you know, things around their physical well-being or even like their mental health and well-being and if i see something that kind of jumps out at me where i feel like this person would benefit from talking to a therapist or they're going through a really you know difficult time i will suggest like this might be a good time for you to get into therapy, or this will be a good time for you to have, you know, supports in place that can help you through this difficulty and things like that. Because I think that therapy and astrology definitely can go in hand in hand. I know that there are astrologers who are also practicing therapists Mm -hmm. and at the same time, you know, I'm also, of the mind of like knowing when I'm out of my depth, you know, Mm -hmm. and when someone might need some extra support that astrology might not be able to provide. Because the other thing, you know, I don't want people to use astrology as a crutch. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them to be able to use it as the tool that it's meant to be and not to like, constantly checking the stars and checking their horoscopes and getting readings because you know you have people who do that too like they'll hop from reader to reader to reader because they don't like what they're hearing or they don't like what the reader is telling them so they'll go and pay for a bunch of readings with other people so they can get what they want to hear instead of actually taking the information and actually using it and applying it in the way that they need to Yeah, that's what I was thinking that it sounds like, you know, for people
0: who like have had readings, like they might get some really good information that would then they could talk to their therapist about like, hey, you know, I did a reading, this came up, and it feels like it resonates, you know, I'm wanting to kind of dig more into this area and how I might be able to make some improvements here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've even had, you know, clients who have therapists and then they, you know, get readings with me and I won't even know anything about them, you know, having a therapist, but I'll be talking to them about something that I see in the chart and they'll be like, oh my God, my therapist just told me the same thing. Mm. So there's definitely an overlap between, I think, you know, some level of counseling and therapy and the counseling that goes into astrology as well. But I absolutely do support people having both an astrologer and a therapist. Has you know on hand.
0: Mm-hmm. So back to the birth charts. So I mean, you know, there are people who would likely have the same charts, right? But
1: would we still kind of show up in the world differently, even if we have the same charts? Yeah. So what's interesting about that is that I think that's when we start to talk about like societal conditioning, you know, mm-hmm. and cultural conditioning and things of that nature, and you know how we were raised. I think. What astrology does is it presents archetypes, you know, in terms of like how certain energies can be expressed, you know, or, or how people can live their life. There is a, a big piece of it that does depend on, you know, how people are raised. And, like, so for example, you know, for me, being a Black woman who's also an astrologer, I find that probably about 80% of my clients, you know, are, you know, women of color, Black women and the reason why they gravitate to me is because not only just because of my you know knowledge about astrology but there's a cultural similarities there you know i speak the same language i've come from the same place so you can have sometimes where you might read horoscopes or you might read from a certain astrologer and they may not necessarily resonate with you because there's something in terms of like the socioeconomic sort of themes or the the cultural themes that just might not hit the way it would if you were listening to someone who came from the same background, like you know, a black woman. And so I think yes, there's some nuance there when we talk about how people were raised and you know how you can have the same chart and still kind of be different from one another. But then at the same time, there are definitely similarities between charts. I've noticed that too, like when I'm reading charts for twins, uh, which Mm. I've done before Mm -hmm. and how that's so interesting because, you know, you have, two people born at the exact same time and the charts will manifest very differently. And it's like one twin will kind of exhibit one set of like traits or, or things and another twin will have the others, but they're still the same charts. And it's just so fascinating to see like how that sort of shows up. And then I think that also has a lot to do with, you know, like I was saying, like the free will piece, you know, in terms of like how we choose to, to do things like some of it is a bit faded, if you will. But I do think that in some ways, we also kind of choose our own fate too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going back to your comments around, you know, like your client base being primarily Black women or other women of color, I would imagine that it works in some ways in the same way as therapy, right? Like there are some things that are kind of like descriptive in terms of the stars, but there's also your own background that you're bringing to the reading
1: mm-hmm, um, and absolutely.
0: the way that you interact with your clients that, you know, colors what the reading will look and feel like.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: absolutely. You know? Yeah. So you mentioned that some people will kind of like hop from, you know, getting one reading to the next. Is there a cadence at which you recommend people get readings?
1: Yeah. I usually tell people like if they want to do a follow-up reading with me, which, you know, I definitely have clients who are regulars to give it at least, you know, six to 12 months. So like a yearly reading, or if you want to do like a, you know, a a mid-year check-in, I don't really recommend doing readings more frequently than that, unless you're working on something specific. So for example, there are readings that I do that are not necessarily more like geared towards self-development but more towards like project development. And so we are trying to figure out like when's the best timing to do certain things and, and figure those things out. So that might be a little bit more of a regular reading because it's a project-based thing. But when we talk about more of the self-development thing, You need to give yourself time for, you know, to process, you know, the planets also move quite slowly too, and they need their time to kind of move and, you know, things need time to cook. And so that's why I recommend that people kind of see me at least, you know, six to 12 months, you know, away from the initial reading, because not only does it give them time, but it, you know, it it also gives them time to also to do the work, you know, that's required to do the, the homework that's necessary, as opposed to like trying to figure out every, you know, single step or every single thing that's coming. It's kind of like, be here, like be here now, (laughs) you know, like what can you do in the here and now? What do you need to focus on in the here and now instead of trying to think too far ahead? And, And that's definitely something that I've been talking about a lot this year because everything has been, you know, so slow and and you know everybody was in quarantine and you know time just was moving quite differently this year and a lot of the things that I found myself saying to clients across the board was like, all we have is the now, <laughs> like try not to worry too far down in the future, like pay attention to the now.
0: Mm-hmm. So speaking of this year, you know, and I feel like I heard some chatter kind of at the beginning of the pandemic around, you know, like astrologers talking about what 2020 would be like. Now, mm-hmm. again, we know that there is no future reading kind of thing, but is there anything that you felt like you had information about that kind of gave you insight into what 2020 might've been like?
1: Yeah, so, you know, one of the major planetary alignments for this year that contributed to a lot of the stuff that took place was this alignment between Saturn and Pluto. So each of the planets have like their job or their things that they have charge over. And Saturn is a planet that is about manifesting things that are intangible into the tangible. Like Saturn helps us to build, to create structure. And so when we think about that, that has a lot to do with the systems in place, you know, government, you know, the societal... Norms, you know, things that keep things smooth and running, and that support us. Pluto is a planet that tends to intensify, not only intensify whatever it is touching, but it's also a planet that has a lot to do with rebirth, like death and rebirth. Sometimes it could be actual death, but it also it can be like like the the figurative sense of death of something that's being burned away or torn down, so that something new can be rebuilt. And the thing with Pluto and both Saturn is that they're not easy planets to deal with. Like they're not soft and cushy, sweet planets, like maybe Venus, which is pleasure and beauty or the moon, which is like, you know, getting cozy on the couch, like that kind of thing. You know, Saturn forces us to be very realistic, you know, gives us the cold hard truth and Pluto forces us to face things that we've been running from or things that we've been trying to like avoid. And Pluto does it in a a way that can be very uncomfortable and and disconcerting. And so when these two planets get together, it is a a time when things are being torn down, when we're forced to confront our demons, when we're forced to really look at the ugly truth of things and say, okay, you know, what are we going to do from here? And so the other thing too, is that you know, Saturn and Pluto, the last time they got together this way was 30 years ago. And that was around the beginning of the HIV AIDS epidemic. And so, you know, these planets are also tied to things that have to do with like epidemics and, you know, pandemics and things of that nature. So when we talk about this year, you know, a lot of astrologers, you know, were talking about Saturn-Pluto alignment and what that was going to mean. I don't know if, how can I put it? For me personally, I knew that things were going to be intense. I didn't think that they would be as intense as they are right now, but as as a matter of, but, you know, kind of looking back in hindsight and thinking about what these energies mean, it definitely makes sense that, of course, you know, the bottom would fall out, you know, that we would be in this place where it's kind of like, you either have to like put up or shut up, you know, either you fix it or, or, you know, you suffer the consequences. And the other story to that too, is that, there's other planetary alignments, you know, that have been going on that were very similar to back when Hitler took power back in the 30s. And so that's when we've seen, you know, this year in the United States, and even abroad, you know, this rise of authoritarianism. And so that's what I was saying, like, before, it's like, you can look back in history and see this was was going on. And so using that historical context, We then look at where we are right now and we use that to infer and inform um, where we are and what we can expect. So in a lot of ways, yes, a lot of astrologers knew that this year was going to be hard. But for me, it's always a weird thing, too. Right. And this is what I've been struggling with a lot this year of when to tell people, hey, you know, things don't look so great. In a way that is helpful and informative, that doesn't feel alarmist, and that doesn't feel gloom and doom. One of the things that kind of frustrated me as an astrologer was seeing people saying like, oh, you know, astrologers didn't tell us about this. But we did. But then also seeing people being upset that astrologers weren't saying things that I guess made them afraid or Mm -hmm. gave them anxiety or, you know, that they didn't want to hear. And so, you know, being an astrologer is always kind of like interesting, trying to like navigate those two sides of the spectrum of like giving information that is informative and that is accurate, but then also trying to do it in a way that doesn't Scare you know the bejesus out of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I would imagine that you know so much of that is subjective, right? I mean, kind of going back to your earlier comments about how much in our charts, you know, talks about how we respond to people and how we project. You
2: mm-hmm. know, so something mm-hmm.
0: that may be alarmist to me might be welcomed to by someone else, right? Right, right, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as we think about twenty twenty one, then. What kinds of collective themes might we kind of be expecting
1: or might we see for 2021? Sure. So for 2021, I don't think it will be as intense as 2020 was, but I've been telling people there's still lots of work to do. So, you know, if, if 2020 was a year where everything really fell apart, 2021 is going to be the year where we start to do some rebuilding. But the thing is, is that in order to rebuild, there needs to be a complete overhaul of every single corner of the earth that you can possibly think of from like healthcare to government to, you know, agriculture to to technology, you know, like science, like everything needs a complete restructure, like to be revamped. And in order to do that, everybody, you know, this is, you know, 2021 is really like going to show like just how much all hands on deck are needed, you know, and it can't just be just one group of people fighting for justice or fighting for, you know, you know, fresh air and clean water, you know, these kinds of things. Like everybody has to be involved. I think what you will see is that there are going to be different factions, you know, kind of fighting with each other in terms of like how to do that, which makes sense, right? Because, you know, whenever you're thinking about a team project, you know, or working together, you know, not everybody is going to see eye to eye. Everybody kind of has like their own ideas of how things are supposed to go. And so it only makes sense that you will have people kind of like, doing some infighting or kind of battling with each other to figure out like which direction, you know, we're going to bring the community or, or bring the collective or the people. But I think the big thing that really stands out for 2021 is, you know, change and being comfortable with, with change and learning how to be flexible and adaptable Saying I don't know, you know, let me find out, let me, let me investigate. I'll get back to you. Like these are going to be the things that are really going to help us get through 2021, the flexibility not feeling like we have to have all the right answers astrologers included myself included like you know there are some times when I look at things and I'm like I don't know we'll see like I guess you know we'll see what happens flexibility adaptability being open to learn curiosity these are definitely going to be things that we need and also being able to communicate and and talk to one another, finding commonalities between each other, learning that we have more in common than we don't. Like these are going to be the things that are going to get us through 2021. And like I said, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of people who are going to be very resistant to the change and very resistant to this new world that we're trying to build. But like I said, for, for folks that are looking for things to go back to the way that they always were, that's not happening. We're not going back to business as usual. And I think it's important for people to understand that because we shouldn't go back to business as usual. There was a lot of things that were wrong that got us in this this predicament in terms of where we are right now. And if we really, really want true change and we really want to fix things, then we really have to dig in and work for it. And so that's the only way That we're going to be able to get out of the mess that we're in. And that's why I'm like hopeful and why the election in the US, you know, kind of made me helpful in some ways because I think things had gotten so bad to the point where people who weren't paying attention had to pay attention, had to be Mm -hmm. very involved and engaged and hands on. And so that is my hope for 2021 is that we don't kind of like rest on our laurels. Like, of course, rest where you can, you know, get the self-care in, treat yourself well, lean on your community, lean on family, like have your therapist, like have your supports in place. Absolutely. Take the breather, take the time out when you can. Absolutely. But 2021 is really going to require all hands on deck situation. And, you know, if we want to get through these difficult times, then we really have to know that, you know, that there's work to be done and be ready to invest in that work.
0: Got it. Yeah. And it kind of feels like it makes sense, right? Like if 2020 is the year that everything falls apart, then 2021 is kind of the beginnings of building something different and hopefully better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, being very flexible and kind of open to changes. Yeah, absolutely. So if that's collectively kind of like the theme, like flexibility and changes, where can we look in our chart maybe for like our own personal themes? Like there's, you know, the collective work that needs to be done, but maybe some personal work that needs to be done. So where might we look for that, like in our own charts? So
1: I would say if you look at your chart and you look at anywhere that Gemini and Sagittarius sit in your chart. So all of us, like I mentioned in our birth chart, we all have the 12 signs somewhere in our chart that can show up somewhere in with the planets, but more so with like the houses, like we each have 12 houses in our chart that basically house different parts of our life. And those 12 houses are ruled by uh, a particular sign, each of the 12 signs based on you know, how our our chart is configured on the time that we were born and the date and all of that. So if you get your chart, you can actually get your chart from a place like Time Passages, which is an app. There's a website called astro.com. These are some places that you can get your chart for free. Wherever you have Gemini and Sagittarius falling in your chart, that's the areas of your life where you can expect a lot of change and where you want to be the most flexible. So for example, You know, if you have Gemini sitting, you know, in your seventh house, that's a place in your chart where you can expect to be open to new relationships, open to new people, open to collaborations and teamwork. If, you know, Sagittarius is in charge of your career zone, your 10th house, that's a place where it might be time to switch careers or to go in a new direction when it comes to your career going into a direction that's more fulfilling, you know, those kinds of things. So these are kinds of things that I would say people would want to investigate in terms of their chart Because the Gemini and Sagittarius, like this is where we're going to have the eclipses falling in these areas of our life between now and the end of 2021. And eclipses are super, super powerful new moons and full moons that happen every six months. And depending on where they're activating our birth chart, it usually coincides with big life events or changes like, you know, getting married, getting divorced, having a baby, moving out, starting a business leaving your career, like those kinds of things tend to coincide with eclipses. So with Gemini and Sagittarius, those two signs are known for being very flexible, very adaptable, Gemini, in particular, very curious, you know, lots of information coming in and needing to, you know, process and sit with the information before making any decisions. So, these are the places that, that I would say that people should pay attention to.
0: So, I'm glad you brought up the whole idea of eclipses and full moons because I definitely see lots of people talking about when those things happen, like, oh, now is not a good time to make big decisions, or oh, you might not want to buy any electronics right now because these things are going on. <laughs> right.
1: What are people talking about when they say, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) those things so transits are basically you know the the movements of, of the planet so when you think about transits you can think about like each of the 12 signs being like like train stations right and the planets themselves are like the trains so anytime a planet moves into a station or moves into a sign that planet is then taking on that energy and and you know kind of activating you know different things so for example mercury retrogrades so mercury goes retrograde three times a year, at the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and the end of the year. So Mercury is a planet that is associated with communication, the intellect, you know, transportation, anything where things are kind of just going like back and forth. And we're trying to find the shortest route possible to get that information or to get that thing back and forth. And so when Mercury goes retrograde, retrograde, you know, planets basically it's like they're moving backwards. And so we think about retro, you know, we're we're sort of in a way sort of moving backwards. And it's, it's a time for reflection, reassessment, reevaluation, kind of looking backwards, as opposed to like trying to like, you know, move forward without, you know, too much thought. So that's why, you know, when people talk about Mercury retrograde, you know, when it's happening, how things get all, you know, cuckoo and, and, you know, a lot of miscommunications and, you know, delays and things of that nature. It's because it's a time period when we're supposed to be, you know, taking our time and moving very slowly. With moons, you know, the lunar cycle is one of the quickest cycles that we experience when we talk about astrology, because the moon, you know, basically goes through a cycle every 29 and a half days. So as the moon is cycling through, the moon, you know, is going through each of the 12 signs. And then each month we have a new moon and then we have a full moon as well. So a new moon is usually a time during the month when we are implementing or starting something fresh, when we're hitting the reset button. When we get to the full moon, that's usually a time when things um, that were initiated around the new moon are sort of coming to some sort of completion or culmination, or sometimes it can be a time of ending things too, or closing out a chapter. The period between the full moon to the next new moon is really a time when we're kind of like, going through like the disseminating of like that full moon energy. Cause usually around full moons, we tend to be more excited and, you know, the energy is really high. New moons is when things are tend to be a little bit more like low energy, low key. And so, you know, between like the lunar cycle, it's usually like the time when we find ourselves kind of cycling through our emotions too, cause the moon is associated with emotions. And that's one of the things too, that I encourage people to do like, watch the lunar cycle, you know, kind of see like how the moon affects you from day to day, because that can also give you some really in-depth information in terms of like your own self-care and like your mental health, because you might find that there might be certain times when the moon is in certain signs and that could be a really stressful or triggering, you know, kind of day for you. Or you know that when, for example, the moon is in Virgo, you know, you might have more anxiety that day. Or if the moon is in Capricorn, you might have bouts of depression, like So it's really important, I suggest for people to kind of track their chart in context to the lunar cycle, because that's one of the easiest and quickest ways to kind of figure out like how astrology is directly affecting you.
0: So is there some kind of like planner or app that would help you to know when this stuff is happening so that you can kind of track
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, there's an app called Time Passages that's really great that you can download. There's another app called the Sanctuary app there's time passages there's another one called astro guide by vice that that's also really nice you can also like if you read horoscopes from from various astrologers you know we're always telling people like when they can expect new moons and full moons and things of that nature so if you want to know like when's the next new moon or when's the next full moon and you know what should i keep an eye out for during these times definitely you know following your favorite astrologer will also help you to do that and then you can also go to astro.com like i said they have a lot of great articles there that you can read and find out more about like you know your chart in general and also just like astrology 101 stuff those are kind of like where people should start there's also books and resources too that i suggest there's this one book called astrology for yourself And it's actually a workbook and it's a book that people can get their chart and kind of figure out like how to read their own chart, like in kind of like figuring out what the pieces are and like how to look at that. And then there's another book called Astrology for Real Life that is also a bit of a workbook that also kind of teaches you like the basic astrology 101 stuff if you want to get more familiar with their chart as well. Perfect.
0: And I know there are also apps that people use, but I don't think they're for the same things like CoStar and Pattern. It feels like are more of a shorthand
1: kind of thing. Yeah. What's interesting about the pattern is that it's astrology based, but they don't say that it's astrology based, which <laughs> makes it a little bit confusing. I've used the pattern to me, they seem to be more geared towards like compatibility, you know, and like learning like how your astrology or how your chart fits with like a friend or a romantic partner, like those kinds of things. With CoStar, CoStar is a little weird for me because the way that they present the birth chart visually doesn't really coincide with like how astrologers tend to look at charts, which can get confusing for people, I think. And then I also get a little apprehensive with CoStar with their like notifications because it, it kind of comes across a little bit mean at times. And I know that astrology can be humorous and, you know, like you have like the memes and things like that, that pokes fun and like the signs and, you know, their stereotypical behavior and things like that. But I don't like when astrology gets mean to the point where you make people feel bad about themselves. And I think that I would definitely kind of invite people to be a little bit mindful of. Got it. Thank you so much for
0: those. If people want to have readings is there a place or something they should be looking for in terms of somebody's website or certifications to let them know that this is somebody who's reputable and like approved, so to speak, to be able to do a reading?
1: Yeah. So definitely looking for certifications. There are, different institutions that actually provide certifications for practicing astrologers. Astrologer who is certified will usually put that somewhere on their website or by their name and they'll say, you know, certified by so-and-so like ESAR or NCGR. These are just some of the entities that certify astrologers. You also want to see like how long the person has been practicing because unfortunately now, because astrology has become so popular, you do unfortunately have people who haven't really studied much and have kind of like hung out a shingle and they're like, Oh, you know, now I'm an astrologer and I'm giving readings and they don't really have much training. So I would say, you know, kind of look at their resume, you know, like, you know, are they certified? You know, how long have they been practicing? Are they endorsed by other reputable astrologers? you know, what is their tone when they're talking to people, you know, either on social media or on their website? Do they present the information as if they know it all? And there's some, you know, all seeing, all knowing entity and you know, nothing. And they're kind of like condescending or are they dragging, you know, people? Because again, like I like astrology to be presented in a way that is helpful. You know, it can, you know, definitely have moments where you might kind of get you know, kind of thrown back a little bit, like, oh, wow, you know, like, I, I really kind of had a breakthrough there, or I really didn't, wasn't paying attention to that. And now, you know, like I had a bit of an awakening and now I, or an epiphany. And now I see this in a totally different light. And you kind of, you know, you have your moments where you get called out a little bit, you know, in, in a session, but it, it should feel supportive. It should be, it should feel constructive. It should never make you feel like you aren't the best judge of your life, you know, it should never make you feel like you should be dependent on this person and their advice or like, you know, everything that they say is right and you're in the wrong. Like it should be empowering basically is what I'm saying, you know, and it's really important that, you know, you take some time to kind of get to, to know this person's voice and kind of see their resume. And also, like I said, how do they interact? Like if they do have a social media presence, what does that energy look like and how does it feel? Does it make you feel good or does it make you feel like intimidated and and, like bad about yourself? Because that's what you want to avoid.
0: Got it. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, especially like you said, since there has been such a rise in popularity, you know, it is very easy for people to kind of maybe buy some of the books that you've talked about and then call themselves an astrologer.
1: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. The good, News in that regard is that we'll start to see more of a push for more like ethics and standards, you know, within astrology. I mean, I have some things that I'm working on behind the scenes that are going in that direction in terms of like best practices and, you know, ethics and like what, you know, people should keep an eye out for and things of that nature. If you are looking for an astrologer, I would definitely say go with a person that makes you feel comfortable, like, you know, that gives you a sense of like you're going to be supported and that you're going to actually get something useful there versus, you know, like I said, like, you know, memes and like dragging and like, you know, like kind of like a mean girl sort of energy, like, just be very careful of that. Take your time to do your research and, you know, ask around, you know, because, because chances are people have had experiences with, with, especially like with like the more popular, you know, astrologers with popular accounts and they can kind of tell you like, you know, who's who as well. Got it.
0: We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with our press pause moment. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us, and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Forum is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity. That it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Mave and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander
2: owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. How many times have you arrived in Orlando and suddenly realized you forgot the kids? But then you remember you had no intention of bringing the kids. You are in Orlando to enjoy yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to have fun and experience all the fun Orlando has to offer. Sure, Orlando is known as the theme park capital of the world, but there's so much more to this destination. It's the place where adults can become kids again. And happy hour happens any hour, with never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, and outdoor adventures from ziplining to its beautiful natural springs. And, of course, fireworks every single night. Plus, you have loads of entertainment options, see unique neighborhoods, and can even visit their blossoming arts and culture. Orlando has everything for an amazing getaway with your loved ones or friends, including exciting thrill rides, lush, lazy rivers, and world-class golf and spas. Yes, there's more to see, do, and experience than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at VisitOrlando.com. You may be aware that most people who are black have O-type blood. O is commonly
0: needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org ourblood to make an appointment now. So when we can, we like to offer our community a press pause moment where our guests share an activity or something meaningful that the community may want to engage with after they listen to the episode.
1: So do you have a press pause for us? Yes, I do. So I thought it would be nice to read a small chapter from my book, Astrology. For happiness and success. So in this book, I have a section in here for all 12 signs. And there's sections there for like affirmations and like journaling exercises and feng shui and you know all of these different things. But I thought it would be nice, since you know, we're entering, you know, we're beginning a new year to read the journal exercise that I wrote for Capricorn. And the reason for that is because Capricorn is the only sign that both ends a year and begins a new one. And it's usually during Capricorn season when we are looking back at the year that we've just completed and kind of making a a checklist of, you know, all the things that we've done. But then we're also looking ahead at the new year and making a list of goals that we want to tackle and accomplish. And the thing though, sometimes when we talk about Capricorn, not only just the Capricorn assigned, because again, we all have Capricorn somewhere in our chart not just people who are born under the the sign of Capricorn. When we talk about Capricorn, we also have to talk about the planet Saturn. And Saturn, as I mentioned earlier, is a planet that is about work and responsibility. It's the planet that helps us to make our visions and our dreams and our goal into something real is the planet that helps us to manifest things. And while on one level, you know, that energy can be super helpful in terms of being goal oriented and, you know, hitting our accomplishments and being self-sufficient and all of those kinds of things. Saturn can also be associated with fear. And a lot of times the fear is the fear of failure. Fear of vulnerability or asking for help, and it can also be a place where we can be incredibly hard on ourselves. These are just a couple of questions that I thought would be good for people to kind of think about as they're thinking about you know what's transpired over this last year and thinking ahead for the new year in terms of you know career and goals and, and things of that nature. So the first question is, what do you think you could achieve to let your heart lead the way forward? And the second question is, When it comes to your failures, in what ways could you stand to embrace your flaws? And then the third journal prompt here is spend some time tracking your thoughts. Make note of any time you think negatively or criticize yourself about something. Replace that thought with something self-affirming. How do you feel each time you do this? Do you notice a positive shift in how you think or feel? So I thought that would be some interesting things for people to kind of journal about or to think about after coming out of this year and thinking about the year ahead and just kind of rethinking the way that they see failure reprogramming the way that they think, especially when it comes to like self-criticism and things of that nature. Also just thinking about like, if you had the opportunity to choose differently when it comes to like a goal or a career, you know, what would it look like if you were allow your heart to lead the way instead of trying to play it safe or sticking too closely to what you know?
0: Thank you so much for that, Mecca. I think a lot of people will appreciate that because I've heard lots of conversations just about how people have gained new perspectives in 2020, right? And kind of thinking, you know, like now I feel like I want to maybe move somewhere different, right? Like I definitely Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, 2020 just showed us a lot just in terms of like our priorities and values and different things. So I feel like those questions will be helpful for people to kind of, you know, do a little bit of a reset.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially over this past year, how we've kind of basically all sort of like hit a rock bottom in certain ways. And when I think about that rock bottom, it's like, you know, like the, the old adage of like, there's nowhere else to go but up. So now it's kind of like, you know, whatever has been swept out or cleaned out. Now we have the chance to like replace it with new things. And so I feel like this year, even though it's been fraught with a lot of, you know, discomfort and and pain and things of that nature, I do think that one of the positive things about this year is that it's helping us to be more intentional about how we use our time and what we are choosing to fill our lives with. And I think that going into the new year, there will be opportunity to fill our lives with some new and better things.
0: Wonderful.
1: Well, Mecca, tell people where they can find you. Are you available for personal reading still? Yes. So I'm available. I actually, I'm all booked up for January, but uh, February (laughs) is available now. Yeah. So if you, if you want to find me or book a reading with me, you can find me at my website, mylifecreated.com. I'm also on Twitter at The Mechanism. That's my name and N-I-S, The Mechanism. I mean, I'm also on Instagram at One Mechanism as well, if you'd like to connect with me there.
0: And we will be sure to include those in the show notes as well as links to your book. So you have Astrology for Happiness and Success and also a coloring book series.
1: Yes, yes. So I have my Cosmic Coloring Book Series. So there's a coloring book for each of the 12 zodiac signs. And but I have a bunch of the copies here and you know, at home. They're really great for just kind of tune out and decompress too. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you so much for all of the information, Mecca. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Joy.
0: I'm so glad Mecca was able to join us for today's conversation. To learn more about her and her work or to grab one of her books, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 189. And please text two sisters right now and tell them to check out the episode. If there's a topic you'd like to have covered on the podcast, please submit it to us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash mailbox. And if you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. If you want to continue digging into this topic and connect with some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective, where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health.
2: Conair Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Nowadays,
0: a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.